0: You're with SBS Radio. Find more great stories in your language at sbs.com.au. In this bulletin, a new Aborino services unit part of an upgrade to curb Indigenous over representation at Banksia Hill and humanize the facility. The coalition accuses the Labour Party of enacting a scare campaign around proposed cuts to Medicare. And Ukrainian refugee numbers hit the 5 million milestone less than two months since the Russian invasion began. aboriginal service unit is one of the major inclusions in a multi-million dollar upgrade of the banksia hill juvenile detention center western australian government has secured 25.1 million dollars to upgrade banksia hill after it was slammed by a path children's courts judge as a dehumanizing space upgrades to the facility include a crisis care unit improvement to the centre's intensive supervision unit, in-cell media streaming for education and therapeutic purposes, and a new Aboriginal Services Unit. The Aboriginal Services Unit will provide specific cultural support to address the overrepresentation of Aboriginal youths at the juvenile detention centre. An election forum will hear from candidates running for the North Queensland seat of Leichhardt about their plans to address the crisis in remote Indigenous housing. The forum will be co-hosted by Change the Record and Everybody's Home and will be hosted by Change the Record chair, Cheryl Axelby. The Corimel newspaper is aiming to publish its next edition on April 20. Production of the newspaper was put on hold as its office in Molesworth Strait in Lismore was extensively damaged by floodwaters last month. After losing its premises, the National Indigenous Newspaper has been leading recovery efforts, coordinating and dispatching emergency supplies to the communities, morphing into what Kuri mail manager Naomi Moran dubbed the Kuri calls. The federal opposition has dismissed a new opinion poll which shows plunging support for both the Labour Party and Antonio Albanese. The results poll surveyed by The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald found that following the first week of campaigning, a percentage of voters have turned away from the ALP. But Labor's finance spokeswoman Katie Gallagher has told the ABC that polls are likely to fluctuate throughout the campaign and that her party is more focused on the issues affecting voters. The issues in the campaign for us are co- and for everyone we're talking to on the ground, it's cost of living, everything going up, wages not keeping pace and people struggling to make ends meet. It's about Medicare, access to health care and it's about the future of the country. That's what we have to stay focused on because that's the contest of ideas in this campaign. And I guess we leave all of you to talk about you know, the ins and outs and commentate on the opinion polls. But for us, next 33 days are about what the Australian people are talking to us about and our solutions for some of those pressures. Labor is warning the government's new pick for federal health minister could lead to cuts to Medicare. Senator Ann Raston, who currently holds the social services and women's safety portfolio, will assume the role if the coalition wins the next election, taking over from retiring MP Greg Hunt. Labor leader Anthony Albanese has spent the first week of the campaign spruiking healthcare policies and says the government will cut essential services. This is a health minister now, designate, uh, if uh, they're successful in the election, who we know will undermine Medicare, who has said that the current model is not sustainable, who has said that Medicare funding is just putting things on the credit card and that it needs to change. Senator Anne Ruston spoke to the ABC this morning and said Medicare is guaranteed in law. Australians aged 18 years and over have until 8pm tonight to enrol to vote or change their details for the upcoming federal election. You can check your details on the Australian Electoral Commission website at check.aec.gov.au. Election day is on Saturday the 21st of May. Independent Senator Rex Patrick has called on the major parties to make themselves accountable to national privacy laws, saying the party's exemption from national privacy safeguards allows them to access sensitive voter information during their election campaigns. Senator Patrick says the coalition and labour parties are increasingly running campaigns based on big data programmes which accesses electoral roll information, harvests social media data and highly specific financial information and involves partnerships with contracted polling and analytics agencies. He says he is troubled by the fact that none of this sensitive information is protected by Australia's national privacy standards for use in politics. The senator has plans to introduce amendments to the 1988 Privacy Act to remove the exemption political parties use to access this voter data. Zadis Tegall has slammed Scott Morrison's hand-picked candidate for the seat of Warringah. The independent MP has called on Liberal candidate Catherine Deves to be disendorsed after it was revealed she has made homophobic comments and has targeted transgender children in now-deleted social media posts. Pointing out that Waringa had the third highest support base for same-sex marriage in the country, Ms. Tegalls accused the Prime Minister of trying to be deliberately divisive to distract from his government's policy failings. Warringah is a kind of inclusive society. And I think voters in Warringah are really tired of personalities over policies, kind of politics. They want to see real policies around the big issues of our time. And overwhelmingly, the feedback I get is that's climate and environment and integrity. I would argue strongly that Scott Morrison, by making a captain's pick, his motive is divisiveness. It is, to, I think, to distract from the major policy problems he has when it comes to integrity, when it comes to his values, and when it comes to his climate policy. Ukrainian refugee numbers have hit the 5 million milestone less than two months since the Russian invasion. This figure does not include the estimated 7.1 million people who have sought sanctuary within Ukraine and are in desperate need of food, shelter and protection. The scale of the conflict has instigated the rapid increase in the need for humanitarian supplies and support. World Vision Australia CEO Daniel Wadsworth warns that the numbers will upsurge further and that there is need for immediate response. The 5 million number is just, it's hard to get your mind around it, but I, I think in some ways for World Vision the even more shocking number is the fact that half of the children of Ukraine are now displaced. World Vision is really uh, taking its focus and making its focus inside Ukraine. Um, That's why I've decided to return to the region, and I'm going back um, in the next week to help with the World Vision response, both on the border but inside Ukraine. We have to do something about these millions of people inside that country that are desperately looking for safety. The most senior cleric in the Anglican Church, Justin Welby, has described the British government's plan to send asylum seekers to Rwanda as the opposite of the nature of God. Britain and Rwanda announced last week that they had had struck a deal whereby some people arriving in the UK as stowaways on trucks or in small boats will be sent 4,000 miles to the East African country where their asylum claims will be processed and, if successful, where they will then stay. But the Archbishop of Canterbury used his Easter Sunday sermon to describe the deal as a subcontracting of responsibilities. He told the congregation that while the details were for politics and politicians, there were serious ethical questions about sending asylum seekers overseas. It cannot carry the weight of our national responsibility as a country formed by Christian values. Because subcontracting out our responsibilities even to a country that seeks to do well like Rwanda is the opposite of the nature of God who himself took responsibility for our failures on the cross. Luxury cruise ship Pacific Explorer has pulled into Sydney Harbour, making it the first liner to return to Australian shores since the federal government's ban due to the pandemic in March 2020. P&O Australia's $400 million luxury liner, which has capacity for almost 2,000 passengers, arrived in Sydney this morning and expects to begin operations later this month. Tourism and Transport Forum CEO Maggie Osmond says COVID safe measures are in place to help with the return of cruisers. It does take time. They've got to be scheduled in. We've got to get them back here. It's a bit like aviation. You know, we needed an aviation attraction fund to get those international uh, airlines back into Australia. But having said that, there is massive pent-up demand here in Australia. We're just about the biggest cruising nation in the world. New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland have outlined testing and vaccination requirements for passengers and crew in preparation for the ships to return. Tasmania is still reviewing if the move is safe for the island state. And now having a look at the weather around the country. Broome, partly cloudy, 34. Perth, sunny, 24. Adelaide, showers, 21. Melbourne, rain, and 19 degrees, Hobart cloudy 17, Albury Wodonga cloudy 22, Canberra partly cloudy 23, Wollongong mostly sunny 25, Sydney also sunny mostly 26, Newcastle similar conditions 27, Brisbane partly cloudy 27, Townsville partly cloudy 29, Cairns possible shower 30, Alice Springs, sunny 31, Darwin, sunny 34 degrees, and the Torres Strait Islands, a sunny day and a top of 30 degrees. And that is NITV Radio News.